Oh, what the heck? What are you doing? Oh my gosh, this happened like late last night. The machine has decided to do two new things, and I don't know what to be worried about first. One, it's telling me to make this door, just this random door beside it. Yeah, it's just standing by itself. Oh, by it's itself. not attached it, to it. It's just in a frame. It's no, just it's a frame good. with a door, good. and it says guest door right above it. Uh, also, I don't know if we should be worried so much about this, uh, but there is this uh, ticking clock. It's counting down. Oh, no, no, I never wor worry about clocks that tick down. That's uh, uh, part of my life. 30,240, 30,239. It's such a high number. I'm not going to worry about it here at the very moment. I'm just going to turn the beeping off because then I don't have to worry about it here at all. I feel a lot more comfortable now. Why are you here? Uh, I'm still here from the last time we spoke. Oh, yeah, that's right. right. Man, you should probably go home at some point. I, it's the problem with being chained to a table. Are we still, are we still doing that? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm still chained to this table. In his own garage, Kyle has built a machine. Cobbled together with parts found in his friend's church basement and a dumpster behind the local Dairy Queen, this monstrosity is now alive and evil. Kyle has convinced his friend Dave to help stop the apocalypse by reviewing films the machine picks. The ultimate purpose is still unknown, and Kyle could have probably done this himself, but he's not being dragged to hell alone. This, this is, is Kyle and Dave, Dave versus, versus the machine. Welcome to Kyle and Dave versus the machine. My name is Kyle. Hi, I'm Dave. And I'm the machine. <laughs> I love how excited you are every week to be here. I guess maybe chaining people to desks is not the best way to create podcasts from. Uh, but we are here, as we were told last week from the machine, we're going to watch Cruel Intentions. You know, you could be a model. It's too bad you're not sexy. <sighs> I can be sexy. You know what would be super duper sexy? If you lost all the clothes. Huh? I'm sick of sleeping with these insipid Manhattan debutantes. Ow! Nothing shocks them anymore. But you can relax. I have a mission for you. Why I Plan to Wait by Annette Hargrove. Paradigm of chastity and virtue. Introduce her to your world of sex, drugs, and what else do you do? She's young, supple. She'll be my greatest victory. You don't stand a chance. Care to make a wager on that? If I win, then that hot little car of yours, mine. And if I win? I'll give you something you've been obsessing about ever since our parents got married. Happy hunting, Sebastian. Ciao. Yeah, okay. No, it's another great week. Another Machine. great week here on the podcast. And I'm, I'm, I'm excited to watch this for the, is this the first time you're seeing this movie? I think so. I have a vague recollection that I know about it. But, uh, that I know about it. No, that <laughs> you're very Canadian all of a sudden. <clears throat> I have a vague recollection that I know about it. I think my wife might like this movie, but I don't know if I've actually sat down and watched it with my eyes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess we should probably, oh, there's, there's knocking coming from this door that I just made. I don't understand how it can knock. Right. It's just standing there in the middle of the Let room. me just, let me just open it up. Oh. Hi, Helen. Hey, guys. What is my wife doing here, Kyle? I, I don't know. Have uh, Helen, have you watched Cruel Intentions before? I have. Yeah. Do you want to watch it again and talk to us, talk with us about this movie? 
I would love to. <laughs> no. Looks like she's chained to something too, I think. To me. Yeah. The old ball and chain Pretty over here, sweet. David. Wait, does, yeah, that works that way too. Yeah, we're changing gender stereotypes. That's right. You're the ball and chain. That's actually. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you have not seen it before. I remember watching this in college and being, I don't know. Titillated. Titillated, I, I, I guess titillated. is the best, yeah. best word I think we, use. we'll use titillated a lot today. Yeah. Titillated. Mostly by Ryan Phillippe. But He's titillating. There. What's your history with this film, Helen? Well, 1999, I would have been in high school. Um, I'm pretty sure I saw the movie when it came out because that was a popular movie. I think there were some things in the movie that I've never seen before. Titillation. Like two, <laughs> two girls kissing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which was then um, parodied a lot. Yes. In all the award shows and such. I don't remember too much about it. Um, I don't remember much of it either. I think I'm with you right there. I remember like two very specific scenes, one in the pool and one with the two girls kissing outside. That's basically what I remember from this movie. So I'm sure it holds up great. I can't wait. That's what I'm worried about. Well, let's do this. We're going to thank some sponsors. And then when we return, we'll be talking about Cruel Intentions. Titillatingly. Hey, everyone. It's me, Kyle, your favorite doomsday deliverer, your your apathetic apocalypse announcer. And who would have thought that by building this cranky automaton, that it would actually be the failing of world governments that would bring about the end of the world. And not me. It's a funny world we live in, isn't it? I've been tasked to tell you some things about our sponsors here this week. So we have two of them. I mean, before we get to that, though, I should let you know that Kyle and Dave vs. the Machine is a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. The Alberta Podcast Network promotes and supports Alberta-made podcasts and connects their audiences with Alberta-based businesses and organizations. Our first sponsor this week is the convention Inventures a chance to connect with the best and brightest in global innovation. You can join 4,000-plus creative and curious minds on the frontier of innovation. You can hear more than 250 speakers on six program tracks, including the future of AI. I keep talking about that. They will not reply to my letters. But also things like healthier living, broader thinking, and smart cities, vibrant communities. Something that we all desperately need right now. Inventures connects entrepreneurs and startups with venture capitalists, angel investors, service providers, and thought leaders. The conference includes an education track for students too. Alberta Innovates is making all of this possible in Calgary from June 3rd to June 5th. Tickets are only $399 if you buy before the end of April. If you're a student, you can get a ticket for just $199. Get your tickets today at inventurescanada.com. That's I-N-V-E-N-T-U-R-E-S, adventurescanada.com. This week, we're also brought to you by the Alberta Podcast Network. So let's hear from one of our great shows. Hi, y'all. This is Ryan from the Eat More Barbecue Podcast. I'm just a guy that loves slow-smoked southern barbecue. I love eating it, I love cooking it, and I really love talking about it. I want to help grow the barbecue culture here in Alberta, and this podcast is a great way for me to share the stories of the people involved in the barbecue community, like restaurant operators and competitive barbecue cooks. Along the way, I also visit with other folks like farmers, distilleries, breweries, and anything of interest to barbecue people. A new episode comes out every Wednesday wherever you listen to podcasts. Keep on smoking, folks. All right, well... 
I feel this is going to be an eight millimeter situation for, <laughs> for, for many of us here where we, or maybe even going further back, a, a message in the bottle situation where we feel defeated uh, after watching it. That was not a great experience. I, I don't, it was not titillating. <laughs> there, uh, well, I don't know. We'll see. Okay. Okay. I'm going to try to stay positive. Uh, it was awful. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, shoot, maybe we should ask yeah, my wife. What, the, 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 the guest here first. What, did, what was your impression of it, having watched it now, whatever, 20 years later? It's okay. Yeah. It's worse than I thought, but not, not unwatchable. Yeah, I I'm, I'm think I'm going to be kind of siding with Helen here a lot more than David, which is like, I don't like the movie. But I don't think it's an absolute train wreck of a film. Uh, but let's do this here first. Let's go through some of the the backstory and, and some of the people that are in this film. So Cruel Intentions was released on March 5th, 1999. The other major release that week was Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels, which we talked about last week. So you Amazing. can go back and listen to that. Currently on IMDb, it is rated 6.8. It is rated 56 on Metacritic. W and then on Rotten Tomatoes, get ready to throw a table, David. It is rated 54% by critics on Rotten Tomatoes, 81% what the by fuck? <laughs> the general public. 81? 81%. 81 is certified of, fresh by the public. 81% of people who use Rotten Tomatoes. Well, the people who voted on this film who use Rotten Tomatoes, yes. They should be ashamed of themselves. <laughs> and they've publicly announced it. I will be I going through those records. I will find <laughs> I will you. give those to the government. I will find you. Uh, it's available on DVD and Blu-ray. And currently in Canada, it is not available to stream or rent anywhere. Good. Which is weird. Its budget was $10.5 million. $15 million are after conversion here. You can tell. Inflation. Open to $13 million. Domestically, it would reach $38 million. Internationally, it put on another thirty-seven. So it's a grand total. Was seventy six million dollars, one hundred and ten million dollars after inflation. It was a certified hit. Is we put it this way: it uh, more than quadrupled its budget or tripled its budget. I should say. I, we have to fact check this, fact check this with the machine, but I feel like that's the lowest total of any of the movies we've watched so far. Uh, well, yeah, it's there. I mean, it didn't I think break still 100. crazy didn't break hundred. Oh, I have okay. to go back and look. But that's at that. the British, yeah, because it didn't mm -hmm. really release here. Um, it's interesting. But still, because it was not like a hugely budgeted film, was able to make a lot of money. Should it's justify it. Justify it. That's fine. Yeah. Keep going. It's, it's starring fine. Reese Witherspoon as Annette Hargrove, Ryan Phillippe as Sebastian Valmont, Sarah Michelle Geller as Catherine, Mer no, I'm not going to try that last name, Material. I can't remember how she says it. Selma, it's French, and who speaks French anymore? Selma Blair as Cecile Caldwell. Or Cecily? Was it Cecily or Cecile? Cecile. It was, okay, Cecile I've already, I've already blocked it from my... Let's start with Selma Blair. Uh, she was born June 23rd, 1972, and she began her acting career by appearing in a 1995 episode of The Adventures of Pete and Pete, if you remember that show. I think it was on the Disney Channel. Classic. Uh, you know, no. it's Pete and Pete? No, and I they go on I adventures? never heard of it. No, I've never heard of it. Her... Her first film was The Broccoli Theory, where she played the part of pretzel cart lesbian. There's but so much. I've never heard of that movie. Probably will never see it. She would go on to appear in In-N-Out, Love Their Burgers, and Scream 2. Uh, however, Cruel Intentions would be considered her breakout role. She would go on to co-star with Reese Witherspoon again in Legally Blonde, as well as other roles, uh, the first Hellboy and its sequel, In Good Company, The Fog... And then since 2010, she's appeared in a bunch of TV shows in guest spots, 
the latest being two episodes of the Netflix show Lost in Space. Uh, in her personal life, she has been at the forefront of fashion and is known for drastically changing her hairstyle on a whim. She, I, I was apparently, just because I knew we were going to be watching Cruel Intentions here this week, I've been you know, researching myself, and uh, apparently she holds some record of being on cer a certain fashion magazine the most. Anyways, I, I keep know. looking at Helen because that I uh, I did not know about this. I would not know it at all. You could make this up, and I would believe it. So interesting uh, that you bring that up. <laughs> you could make that up. <laughs> it was in 1990. Uh, she would have been 18 at the time when her childhood sweetheart died in an accident, and so this is what pushed her into not taking life for granted and actually pursuing acting more fully. Uh, she does have a child from a marriage that ended in 2012. But the major news is that she was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis in 2018. Uh, so from Wikipedia, she had thought for years that she was suffering from minor illnesses or even a pinched nerve. But the diagnosis finally explained her disabilities, including her occasional falling, dropping things, foggy memory, and her left side uh, aching like it was asking for directions from a broken GPS. Uh, she is the spokesperson for the Staying Alive Foundation, which helps out research for MS, and she continues to act. She'll next be seen in the bit part of Dr. Doris Baxter in the film A Dark Foe. It's described as a guilt-ridden FBI agent stranded in the painful memory of the abduction of his sister suffers from a rare condition known as nyctophobia, an irrational fear of the dark, and will have to face off with the cunning serial killer who took her away. Uh, oh, a lot wow. of information you're going to throw out there. It's not a synopsis. That's actually the whole, that's, that's <laughs> the, the whole, whole movie. Yeah, that's the whole, movie. the whole movie. I think I only know Selma Blair from this movie and Legally Blonde. I do not think I've seen any other film she's been in. When you brought up Hellboy, I mean, that used to be one of our, but my favorite mm -hmm. movies. So I suddenly remembered her. I, th I thought she was great in that, actually. Yeah, I, I, I like during Hellboy. Yeah. yeah. Have you seen anything else she's been in? I'm sure I have, but yeah. I can't. She, she's she's one of those people, like one of those actresses I feel is like was big in the 90s and then kind of really dropped off. Yeah. I mean, she was in that uh, Cameron Diaz shock movie with Christina Applegate or something. Mm. There's sure. a shock one where she gets stuck on a man's penis. Well, okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's my oh, that's my yeah. Friday nights, but yeah. um, explicit content <laughs> yeah, content we'll check. Have that checked yeah. off. Uh, thank you, Alberta Podcast Network. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> for your continued support. <laughs> for your continued support <laughs> of our family friendly uh, material. Thank you, Alberta Treasury. Yeah, I'll just put in another penis in there just for yeah, everybody. Thank you, okay. uh, Sarah Michelle Geller. She was born April fourteenth in nineteen seventy seven. She was a child actress. Her first acting role was in the TV movie An Invasion of Privacy in nineteen eighty three. She would go on to guest star in a bunch of TV shows and other TV movies, as well as 54 episodes of the soap All My Children, which, not a joke, was my mother's favorite. In 1997, it would be a banner year for her as she would appear in the films I Know What You Did Last Summer and Scream 2, and was also when her most famous role, Buffy, in the TV series Buffy the Vampire Slayer, debuted. So 1997 was a really good year for Sarah Michelle Gellar. Talking about Buffy, I could probably fill multiple podcasts with my love for that show and why I think it's great and why it means a lot to me. Uh, but that's not what this uh, this show is about. So yeah, during thankfully during the series, she would be in this movie. Uh, but we already saw her in an uncredited cameo, and she's all that. Her other big roles would be with her future husband Freddie Prinze Jr. and Scooby Doo in its sequel. She would also star in the American version of The Grudge. In recent years, she's done a bunch of voice work. And that will continue in what you will most likely see or hear her next in 
as the voice of Vila in Masters of the Universe Revelation, the reboot of He-Man where Mark Hamill will voice Skeletor. What? It's going to be on Netflix either later this year or early 2021. I'll give that a run. She's still married to Freddie Prinze Jr. They have two kids, but she's also an entrepreneur. She is co-owner of Foodsters, which make organic baking mixes and kits, and you can find some of their products at Starbucks. Are we getting so, paid for that plug? Or uh, No, um, but maybe we should. Did, Hit yeah, me up, no, uh, you know. SMG. Did you watch Buffy? No, oh. I was scared of vampires. Scared of vampires. Oh, that, yeah, vampires are creepy. It's very much in the vein of Friday Night Lights, and that that's a show... That's kind of about football, but not really. Whereas Buffy the Vampire is kind of about vampires, but not really. It's uh, all the other drama that goes along with it. Doesn't matter. Doesn't Justify. matter. Yeah, you got a so, little upset there. It's okay, Kyle. It's okay. Not everybody has watched. Ryan Phillippe. Ryan Phillippe was born September 10th, 1974. He started acting as a teenager, guesting on TV shows. My favorite being an episode of Matlock in 1994. Mm. His first movie was Crimson Tide in 1995. His breakout would be the horror film I Know What You Did Last Summer with Sarah Michelle Gellar. I feel like we've talked about that movie so much yeah, over the last few weeks. It's come up a lot. He would also be in the film 54, about Studio 54. That was like the time Michael Myers, or Mike Myers, tried to be a serious actor, and it failed. Um, after being in this movie, he would be in a few high-profile in pretty much in critically loved films like Gosford Park, Igby Goes Down, Crash, and Flags of Our Fathers. Uh, but I think the best movie he's been in since this movie is MacGruber. MacGruber. Uh, That's he, a good movie. He's actually, it flopped so badly at the box office. So That's how you know it's good. Mm -hmm. It's like uh, Hot Rod. Hot Rod, Zoolander, yeah, he's all actually, the classics. He's actually been in a bunch of other TV shows in recent years, as well as a lot of badly reviewed and mostly forgotten films. Uh, the last 10 years especially has not been kind. However, you'll be able to see him next in The Sound of Philadelphia. It's described as a grieving brother turns to his family's criminal connections to seek revenge against the person who killed his sister. All of these movies sound exactly the same that these actors are going to be in. Well, they all started the same place. When I you started, so. I know what you did last summer. You're going to end up here. Knowing what you do in summer. They should do a sequel. I know what you did last decade. Mm. Oh, that would, I, I, I know what you did last decade would be. How oh, they reboot it. It sounds like a documentary more. <laughs> Maybe. Um, he actually met Reese Witherspoon the year before, on her 21st birthday, before both of them were cast in this film. They would go on to be married and have two children, and then they divorce in 2007. So, But quite impressively, he holds a black belt in Taekwondo, if you did not know. Hmm. So That's, he uh... can kick my ass pretty easily. Uh, I don't know. I feel like they give just hand out black belts. <laughs> It's like honorary degrees. It's honorary like degrees. my sister has a black belt in oh. karate. Like you've seen my and she, sister. And she's super weak. <laughs> wow. She can barely pick up a plate. Oh, <laughs> well, not anymore. Yeah. She's working out now. Oh, okay. I was gonna say we're gonna be careful how much we diss her because <laughs> she'll get she'll she'll call Slice us. Slice my throat. I will find you. <laughs> uh, Reese Witherspoon. She was born March twenty second, nineteen seventy six. She started acting as a teenager in a film called The Man in the Moon, a coming of age film. The late 90s and early 2000s would be her breakout period. The year before this film, she would be in Pleasantville. In the same year, she would be in Election. And then in the year after this, she'd be in American Psycho. In 2001, she would be in her probably most popular role of Legally Blonde. She would also be in its sequel, Legally Blonde 2. Blonde. Pop quiz, do you know what the subtitle of Legally Blonde 2 is? This is your world, Helen. I know. I was like, this is my moment. But I don't remember. I love that. I love both of the movies. Yeah. Though. But it's the dumbest subtitle. It's red, white, and blonde. 
All right. Yeah, you got to forget that. We yeah. have to, yeah, just scrub just that. Legally just Blonde 2. This yeah. is Legally Blonde 2. She would win an Academy Award for Best Actress for her role of June Carter in Walk the Line, the biopic of Johnny Cash. Cash was, of course, played by Joaquin Phoenix, who we've already discussed earlier this season. In the last few years, she has appeared in a few prestige TV series. The first was Big Little Lies. She won an Emmy Award for producing that show. She also appeared in one of the first Apple TV Plus series, The Morning Show, opposite Jennifer Aniston, who we've discussed in Office Space. A lot of crossovers this episode. Up next, she'll be in a series called Little Fires Everywhere. It also stars Kerry Washington, Rosemary DeWitt, and Joshua Jackson, who's in this movie. Uh, the next movie you'll be able to see her in is either her voice in Sing 2, or when she returns to her most popular role with Legally Blonde 3, which is apparently supposed to release either this year or early next. Let's pause for a second. Reactions to Legally Blonde 3, which I had no idea was a thing until I just read it right now. Helen's freaking out right now. Like, oh my God. <laughs> she must be like, I don't know, like, I don't know, a mentor to another girl because it wouldn't really work. Well, maybe she is going back to school again. I don't well, know. We're not writers, Kyle. So let's not presume we know how I these mean, things I've, work. I've watched a lot of films. I could be a writer at this point. Um, well, Al Woods would be an esteemed lawyer. I guess so. That's you know, true. Top lawyer in the world by now. I can't believe we're referring. I, at first, I thought you were actually talking about a human being. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. <clears throat> the, um, the, 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 the titular role of Legally Blonde. It yeah. is titillating. I thought uh, I was more excited about Sing too, because I thought Sing was an amazing movie. <laughs> amazing? That's a pretty it's big the first movie pretty we good. saw with Emerson, I think, in the theater. Or? It's, it's fine. Uh, <laughs> it's so well, good. I think we're going to have to uh, duke it out with some Taekwondo. I like the llama, but uh, she remarried and has a son with her new husband. She is active in philanthropy. Most recently, she joined with about 300 other actresses to support Time's Up to counteract sexual harassment in the workplace. This was written and directed by Roger Cumble, based on the novel, Dangerous Liaisons, because I'm not going to attempt the French pronunciation of that, uh, by a guy that, if I really wanted to anglicize it, is Chaudrelos de Leclos, but not even close to how you say no, it. Sounded, it sounded very French. Good job. Roger was born May 28, 1966. His first writing credit was the 1994 film Unveiled, which was An American Woman, Sorry, all of these just run together now. An American woman uses herself as bait to help a CIA agent trap an alleged serial killer in Morocco. These are all CSI plots, I'm yeah, sure. Those are pretty good. Pretty good movies, uh, I think. Uh, no, they're, mm -hmm. they're not. Cruel Intentions was his last theatrical film that he ever wrote. More on that later, which sounds ominous, Mr. Machine. Please call me Mrs. Machine. As a director, this was his directorial debut. He would go on to direct The Sweetest Thing, College Road Trip, as well as episodes of Entourage, White Collar, The Goldbergs, Pretty Little Liars, and Suits. The next film you'll be able to see that he directed is After We Collide, which also co-stars Selma Blair. Its plot description is based on the 2014 romance novel of the same name. This follows the love life of two young adults. Isn't no the, serial killers in this one, at least. Isn't the movie I was thinking of, isn't that the sweetest thing? Yep. Yeah, that's the one with the, the penis. Oh, Am it? I pronouncing that correctly? In French, penis. I think. Yeah. Penis. Penny. Penny. That's <laughs> <laughs> <Let's> dumb. <don't. laughs> we'll have to cut that. No. But no, actually, we can leave it in. We can leave it Because it is Canada. People will understand. This is setting the stage here. This is coming, you know, a few weeks into 1999. We're getting into the March release schedule. We kind of survive the January, February, which is a lot of times where studios just pump out the really bad stuff. They just drop it there because most people aren't going to the movies at the, in those two months. However, 
Cruel Intentions. Helen, let's start with what you liked about the movie. I like that it broke gender roles. Mm, in what way? Well, this is 1999, mm-hmm. right? So back then, you don't see women who are kissing other women. Mm-hmm. You don't see women who enjoy kissing men. Right. You don't see men kissing other men. Yeah, you just don't see any of those things on in the media. I mean, I'm sure at this point, is Ellen still in the closet? I just had come out, I think. Yeah, Maybe like that was, before. and that was like a huge thing, right? So this is a movie where I think introduced the idea, mm-hmm. at least to a lot of people, that, you know, this is out there. I mean, for me, being like this closeted person, part of the LGBTQ community, like these types of movies were actually kind of important because it's like, oh, like we're slowly like bringing this up into popular culture. Like, I don't feel like I'm so alone with with what's going on. So uh, I agree with you. Like, this was something that felt like almost a listen, like, oh, I'm not supposed to be watching this, but it's released under like a major Hollywood studio. This is not like an X-rated film or something I'm downloading from the Internet. So, uh, Dave, why do you hate gay people? Oh, wow. <laughs> <No>? <laughs> why, why, why do you hate this statement of love? Well, uh, you know, I wasn't titillated by it. I mm. just, I feel like you guys are bringing up very good contextual social points. I couldn't see any of it because it was such a bad movie. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, the acting. I, okay. Uh, but before we get the, to that, because I don't necessarily disagree with you on those points. The directing. What should I go on? The, yeah, the cinematography. What did you like about the, pacing, the movie? Uh, what did I like about We do get to see Ryan Felipe's uh, titillating butt. We do. Yeah. Uh, I don't think that was a butt double. I'm pretty sure that was full Philippi. Yeah. Unless they did like a cropping where oh, like it was crazy. his top yeah. and someone else's butt. No, there's a. I've, I've done fan show. fiction about that. But. <laughs> and the car's pretty nice. Agreed. The car's nice, yeah. So when we, when we have to focus on the vehicles they drive, we know that maybe the rest of the movie is not the greatest. Yeah, I was actually kind of shocked because I don't... Well, Reese Witherspoon for sure is not a bad actress. No. I think Sarah Michelle Gellar is, is decent, although I think that she's always been better on TV than movies for whatever reason. There's a line... There's a line with some actors and actresses where it's hard to... Yeah, when cast properly, this might be, I don't know, a, a bold statement, but I think even Ryan Phillippe can actually turn in a pretty decent performance if cast. He was just never a leading man, in my opinion. And Selma Blair, I don't know, because I haven't actually really seen her in much of everything else, but from what other people tell me, she can actually put in decent yeah. performances. So I have to feel that they're just being let down by directors or maybe a rush schedule because it is not very well acted. Well, interestingly, uh, the director and writer are the same, yes. and it was the directing and the writing that sucked. Can it be direct? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, and because it's based on this book, like Dangerous Liaisons, too, has been adapted many times. I think the time before this had actually even been the year before. So it, it it's, was even in the popular culture still at that point. But I don't know, Helen, how about you? Like, were you noticing... What, what did you not like about the movie? I guess is the best way to ask that. I think the story was very, I don't know. It was too much. It was not believable, but I think it's not supposed to be believable. I think it's supposed to be like this fantasy, right? Yes. Because when you look at it now, I think it probably inspired like Gossip Girl. Oh, for sure. hundred percent. Right. Because this is like a world that you don't get to see. These supposed rich kids who do, who does whatever they want. You know, their parents are nowhere to be seen and they are doing all these bad things. They're doing drugs, they're having sex, they're like, you know, 
blackmailing each other. You just don't.、Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I think I think you're right in that there's always been this fascination by like how do the rich people really live? Because they, quite frankly, do have different rules than what everyone else does. They have the money to prevent from the reality of of life hitting them.、Um, I, I I should have said this at the very beginning, but. Here is the plot description of the movie, in case people are still listening and have not actually seen this film before. So, two vicious step siblings—that would be Sarah Michelle Gellar and Ryan Phillippe—of an elite Manhattan prep school make a wager to deflower the new headmaster's daughter before the start of term. That's where the plot description ends, but it's basically, if I remember correctly,、uh, Sarah Michelle Gellar. Sarah Michelle Gellar wants Ryan Phillippe to have sex with the new schoolmistress. So that, and if he does that, then he gets to have sex with her. Am I am I saying that right? Yes. I think he gets to put it anywhere. Oh, that's right. That's that,、oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That was then, that was specifically right. Yeah. And if he, put out, he doesn't put able to do that, then she gets his car. Like that's the wager. That's the bet that was, they've made. Wasn't she also there was a counter bet? Wasn't she supposed to do something too? She was like trying to ruin.、Uh, There, there's a lot of subplots that go along in、uh, this movie. I like how you put that because it sounds like you're interested in it.、Uh, yeah, wasn't she? Wasn't she supposed to? Wasn't she? Well, she her boyfriend a... left her first to seal. Oh, that's, oh, yeah, that's, that's why she's trying to destroy. She was so upset about to, it. Yeah, that's why she's trying to destroy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, she's trying to destroy. See, it makes total sense, David.、It's、excellent. Yeah. Having never read the original, I don't know. It, I, as far as I know, it's basically a same bet, which is like you're supposed to go into flower this person over here, and then in response, you'll、That's、get to、okay. sleep with me. Like that is the basic plot of what the original novel is. I don't think they're step siblings though. In the original, I think that's a little thing that's added into this for again making it seem more illicit than what it probably is. Yeah, maybe we'll get some hate comments from people who actually read. Maybe, maybe, <laughs> and they'll be like, "You idiots! You haven't read Le Liaison." <laughs> Uncultured <laughs>、yeah, swine. Uncultured <laughs> swine. Anybody can pick up a mic these days. Yeah. Well, because this was brand new to you, I probably saw this film two thousand one, two thousand two. I think is probably when I actually watched it. But for you, David, if you had seen this in nineteen ninety nine, what do you think you would have thought of it at the time? Oh man, it. You know, it's hard. It's hard to peel away twenty plus years of.、Uh, Not caring about this movie and makeup and stuff that you put on. Yeah, yeah. And now I'm like, I know, I, I don't know if I can picture myself. I, we might need some time. I'm gonna have to think about this. I, <laughs> I, I don't. I think I would have not liked it in principle. <laughs> uh -huh. It's such a weird. It's such a weird movie. Uh, hearing you guys talk about sort of gender roles and the,、uh, um, and sexuality and all that stuff. I mean, those are important themes. I don't know if I would have keyed into that in '99.、Mm -hmm. um, But I, I, I think it would have been too distracting by how, again, I, maybe I'm too surface. I don't think I would have been able to sit through this thing. It, it you know, the weirdest part I think is not to like I like Selma Blair, but her again the casting.、Yeah. As soon as she started speaking, and you just get this weird thing like that. Does she have a mental disorder? The character. Well, like, let's let's get into that because I think、on? that that is a fair comment to bring up in that everyone here is supposed to be teenagers. And we、awesome. and we've mentioned before in the in the couple of other teenage films that we watched that like none of these people、oh, look like、no. they're teenagers. <laughs> like they are very mid twenties, and some of them are almost thirty. I could have been cast in this movie. Right, you、yeah. could have.、Um, no, would come you on. Been, what role? What role would you have taken? Well, Selma Blair's role, of course, as the uh, innocent fourteen-year-old uh, girl.、Um, but yeah, she's fourteen 
it, like Selma Blair is older than uh, Reese Witherspoon yeah, and Ryan Phillippe. Was it 26, 27? The time let, she let, let's do let's do some math here. Well, um, I was looking it up after we watched a movie because I just thought, mm -hmm. how old is this woman? And I don't remember how old she was, maybe 22 or 24. But I remember reading that when she went for her audition because the directors, because the role is so risque that the, the director was like asking everybody that came in, how old are you? Because they have to cast someone who's over 18. They can't yeah, cast yeah, someone like... who's under 18 to do this role. And so, you know, so she comes in and she's in her mid-20s and he's like, how old are you? And then they said that she said in the most bratty voice, well, how old are you? And then that's why she got casted because they're like, oh, that's Cecile. Uh, she course. played the role. She played the role. But she then, was Cecile. <laughs> but it's, it's not believable. No. Yeah. So because she's supposed to be younger than them and that's like she's supposed to be sweet, naive. Uh, just starting high school. Just starting high school, high school being corrupted. She would have been, as we already stated, she was born in 1972, so she would have been like 26 when filming, 27 when this movie came out, versus where like uh, Sam Rochelle Geller would have been 21, 22, Ryan Phillippe would have been, uh, well, he would have been old too, he would have been 25, <laughs> uh, and then uh, Weiss Witherspoon would have been 24-ish, 23. But, but what I'm saying is a 27-year-old woman who looks like a 27-year-old woman playing a 15, 14-year-old. Like you say, Dave, like, is she not all there? Like, what is going on? Like, it feels so weird. Even when they, because they don't do any real preamble to set up who the characters are. So he's, in, I can't remember, how did it open? Like, is he in the psychiatrist? Anyways, yeah. uh, this is hard to contextualize, but he looks ridiculous, Ryan Felipe, anyways, and he's talking to this weird psychiatrist. His ramen hair that he has. Yeah, <laughs> and then he's driving this sports car, goes into this luxury condo, Sarah Michelle Gellar's lying there, like, in a power suit with her, like, corset out, <laughs> and you're like, you don't even understand that they're in high school. It, it, there's no context until they start talking, but then you think, are they, are they the deans? Are they, like, <laughs> are, they, are teachers? they teachers? Why yeah. are they always in suits? Yeah, yeah, yeah. How so many teenagers weird. were wearing suits back then? I guess it's like a prep ones. school, like, I guess is what it's supposed to be, like, a really fancy school where you have to wear a school uniform. Yeah. Although, I don't know if anyone else is shown to actually be wearing no. those at all. Anyways. Um, I uh, mean, Reese Witherspoon's always, like, she has, like, a sweet look about her, so when she enters the movie, like, the context starts to change a little bit, but there's yeah. not enough backstory in, with her either. In cause... a way, her and Selma Blair may have, should have swapped roles. Because <laughs> at She's least... She's too sweet, though. Like, well, like, the, like Reese Witherspoon's aura. Mm -hmm. I mean, I guess... She did look that. like She's the most likely to be a teenager. No. Yeah. Either you have to find actors that look younger or cast younger people to really put this off. I think we, I forget which episode we talked about this in, but it's always been my issue being the huge Shakespeare lover I am with Romeo and Juliet. Because when you see that performed, very often you have actors in their late 20s, early 30s playing Romeo and Juliet. And it's like no 30 year old acts like that. That is so what? weird. This is how I won. No. <laughs> you drank you drank poison yeah i was screaming in the rain you know right what light through yonder window breaks it is the east and juliet is the sun anyways um i won't go on my soliloquies the when you see it there is actually a version of romeo and juliet i think it was in the 60s or 70s made by an italian filmmaker who actually cast 14 and 15 year old romeo and juliet and it lands better because it's like they're temperamental they're rash they they're acting like teenagers and it's like yeah of course yes this all makes perfect sense and then they think that they'll never find love again and they drink poison at the end. Who hasn't been there in their life? 
but when it's when it's like this, it's like it just takes me out of the movie nowadays to be like, no, you're all acting, you're all acting like kids, and you are more, you're older than that, and it doesn't work. You know what the I I wonder if the tension like from a social like in the states is they're so scared of depicting, let's say, you know, the statutory idea of under eighteen people having these illicit, titillating, mm-hmm. sexual, you know, lives. But you can imply that without having to have Show it that. graphically shown. So if you cast even an 18-year-old uh, cast, and then you have a good director who can bring you to those moments without having to have someone groping. But there's also the countertension where people in the States want that porno- pornographic Well, that's, that's always been the, the, the push and pull, I think, I, I, I throw all Western culture into this, like Europe, America. I think it may be more pronounced in America, which is that everyone wants like the virginal woman in their lives, but not really. Like they really want to have the the porn star, the porn star in their life. But they all outwardly say like, "Oh, you can't be like that, or else you're not, you know, the proper woman." There's this weird gender dynamic gets thrown into it. Anyways, now we're just going off, but. Yeah. Uh... I don't know. Did you pick up on any of that, Helen, or are we just making this up? No, no, you're not. I agree. But, you know, this was very far from my world. Yeah. You know, the Helen in high school. Um, so it's like, whoa. Well, yeah, it's, yeah, this was like so far and above what my high school experience would have even been like. How many wagers did you make there, David? Oh, I make wagers uh, on s- sex all the time. I'm, as some people used to call me sex wagerer. That was a big nickname for me in high was school. Was it? Yeah. To give girls makeovers? I was uh, also known as the makeoverer, the uh, sex wagering makeoverer. Uh, no, I, I don't know. But the other thing too, I think the difference between us is I was not still in high school at that point. True. And while I wasn't particularly worldly, um, yeah, I mean, if I was 16 watching this movie, it would have a different context. Or if, you know, if I'm in the uh, non-cisgendered heterosexual right. world. Maybe I pick up on different themes, but as a uh, as a male who is heterosexual, right? I, I am heterosexual. I'm yeah. just looking at my wife here. <laughs> yeah. um, mostly. And watching this, I don't, I yeah, I wouldn't have picked, especially when I was younger, I wouldn't have picked up on how strong you guys are identified. Well, I think to, to, to flip that though a little bit, as much, I guess, credit that I give this film for being, I would say, slightly progressive in 1999, I think when looked at a in context of 2020, I don't know how good it actually is, even in that regard. I don't think this is a really awesome look at any of the LGBTQ lifestyles. Lifestyles, that's a weird way to put it. But like Joshua Jackson, for instance, shows up as, as a gay character in this. But uses trickery to uh, sleep with the football person and then blackmails him so that he'll sleep with him even more. That's not great. Uh, not that you can't have bad people in, in, in uh, also be gay. I'm just saying, like, as they portray it in this movie, isn't the greatest Well, <laughs> it's like he just wanted the sex, yes. regardless of how he gets it. Right. Yeah. And I think that it just falls into that stereotype of that that's what all gay people want, is that all, that's all that they're trying to do is trick straight people into having sex with them. Well, the thing is, he's so conniving. I mean, you brought up Gossip Girl, so I'll ask you, like, in my mind, when you tell a story like this, you need a, a redeeming character. You need somebody at least to show that not everyone is a piece of crap. And I, I suppose, in a sense, Reese Witherspoon is there, but her character gets a little convoluted at the end, too. But yeah. So bringing it to your experience, uh, 
Helen, you know, having loved Goss Girl and, and those types of things that thematically are connected. I mean, is there a character like that in those shows that make it a little bit more worth participating in? Well, in those shows, no one is ever good or bad. They flip-flop, right? And I think that's what change in story writing. In Cruel Intention, you know, there's a lot of homophobia. Mm -hmm. So we want to look at it with today's lens. Yeah, that movie is unacceptable, right? Because there's so much homophobia and then there's all the characters are like one. It's like, oh, you're a jock. You're a gay person. You are a slut or you are like, it's like, it's very, they just use one word to describe each character. Mm -hmm. And that's very one dimensional. We, we also view, and I'm going to use a pretty strong word here. We, we watch a sexual assault happen on screen and we're supposed to feel like we're okay with that, I guess. He forces Selma Blair to give him a blowjob. And it's like, oh, but we're supposed to think that's great, I guess. Mm -hmm. In the context of the scene you're supposed to, you're supposed to think that, oh, yeah, yeah, that's him just being a guy. I don't know. I felt so weird after that. I'm like, um, who are we supposed to be rooting for in this movie? Because the movie wants us to be rooting for Ryan Phillippe, but it's like, why? why? He he hasn't really changed at all. He continually is like connives and, and screws people over. His stepsister is just as worse. Well, like, essentially, Bruna, I mean, do you agree with that? Do you think that Ryan Phillippe is the, the, the quote-unquote hero of this movie? I think he's supposed to be. He's supposed to be. But the difference is when I watched this movie in 99, you don't see any of that because you don't understand what a sexual assault can look like mm -hmm. right so as a teenager in 99 when i watched this movie i'm pretty sure all i saw is that he is good looking mm -hmm. he has a nice car and they you know they are so-called bad kids but yeah. they're doing whatever they want they're doing drugs Ooh, <laughs> right? he's a bad boy but he's cute <laughs> so that boy he's good <laughs> yeah and then oh if the good character likes him then he must be okay mm -hmm. So you kind of miss a lot of that, right? Because there's also that scene where he convinces Selma Blair that he's giving her a kiss, right? That's a sexual assault too. And then I think it's through Wee's Witherspoon that we're supposed to see his redemption happen. Uh, that's the other thing. He steals her, her diary and reads it. And it's like, that's also an invasion of privacy, dude. Anyways, she takes his memory on and then apparently that's supposed to redeem him in the end after he, spoiler alert, dies. In a weird scene, too, where he just gets hit by a car kind of randomly. Spoiler alert. I mean, intentionally, don't watch this movie. But I don't know. I, I, I find, and this is the thing for me, I think, as a primarily visual person, so with Selma Blair, uh, it's so awkward and, and strange uh, and insulting. And with Ryan Philippe, he's like a, a maniacal clown. Like, even yeah. his physical acting from the beginning, it's so creepy. Like, his mannerisms and the way he addresses people that I did not feel that he was the hero at all. And I know towards the end, they're trying to do this thing where he's like, well, he's crying. And he's like, well, I do love Reese. And like, fuck off. Who cares? You're a piece of shit. Like, I, I yeah. don't care whether you think you know something. It is shocking that he died, but I was glad for it. Yeah. Because yeah. so Reese... the movie's about to be over. Yeah. <laughs> No, but then I'm thinking, is Reese Witherspoon the hero then? That's my mind. Because she's the one that, you know, grew in character. And she went from this innocent girl to this, I don't know, mature person who's taking control of, of her destiny. And she took revenge for her loved one. and uh, Gets to drive off in the car. 
Yeah, yeah if, does she get the car? I guess so. Who gave her the car? The will, I guess. He must have changed his will right before he got hit by that car unexpectedly. Well, let's... That's that's she's a, stealing a car, and there should be cop cars following her along that country road. That's the thing about the writing. There's a, almost an implication that she knew the whole thing was going to happen. Mm. And she has a very strong positional sense when she arrives at this weird mansion and clay shooting. And like even that's so poorly understood. Like Why is she even in... You know, this like country house where Ryan Felipe can access well, it. Well, I think we were even having issues understanding the difference between the country house, the city apartment that they apparently go back to. Like who owns what and like how are they all interconnected and why are they sometimes aunt. here and sometimes there? No, like, but the country house is his aunt. Yeah, yes. something about an aunt. But and then, then she, she's staying with the aunt because she's in the process of moving with her parents. And then Ryan Felipe is there sometimes, but sometimes is living in New York City. Like he how, seems to go back and forth. How does a bunch. Sarah Michelle Geller even have a connection to her small town boyfriend quarterback? Like, I, I, oh no, that was Selma Blair's character. I don't know. Anyway, who cares? Doesn't, it doesn't really matter. matter. I think for me, one thing that we often ask here is, you know, is this film still culturally relevant? Uh, we're looking at a film that's twenty-one years old now at this point. Definitely, the storyline has survived over two hundred years. So there's something there that we as a culture, or at least as creatives, simply want to go back to. This wager of using sexuality is something that calls to us. I don't know if this film is necessarily going to stand the test of time. I feel like in another generation, people are going to kind of completely forget that this movie even exists. I'm already uh, trying to. That's my sense. <laughs> I could be proven completely wrong, as I've been proven wrong in many things. My frustration, I think, mostly with this film is for me... With a more, let's say, competent director, I think there's something here. I think there's something here about putting this into a high school environment, putting it into like the aristocracy, putting these different types of like sexuality and expressions into there. There's something there that I think could actually prove to be really interesting and fresh take on this really old story. I just don't think it's executed at all uh, in a way that I want to revisit all that often. I think it's ridiculous that the character Sarah Michelle Gellar's character. At the end, you know, when she's supposed to um, be taken down from her throne, yes, it was just everyone calling her a slut. Yeah, it's such like, a, what is that it's about? It's so reductive of like, she had sex once. I'm like, yeah, like, okay. oh, that's the worst thing. Like that is such a, that is very 1990s. I have to say, it's like as soon as a girl has sex once, like you have to like cast her aside. It's kind of like going back to Varsity Blues, where that one girl comes out and is like, actually, I'm not going to have sex with you. And then you never see her for the rest of the film. Yeah, dressed up all of a sudden as yeah. the nun. Like she's like, uh, basically she's like, yeah, in, in her bra all the time. And all of a sudden she's in this like oversized sweatshirt. Yeah. You know, listening to you guys, I, mean, I don't, well, we'll come back to you because I think there's more. Shouldn't this movie, I, I hate now I'm realizing that I'm trying to rewrite and talk about how I, I would have made it better. But yeah, you it, seem to always get into this section, but, <laughs> but if it's going to be a high school movie, it should have been set in high school. I mean, if, you know, like so a Midwestern the, high school or no, even if it's going to be this uh, preppy, you know, elite high school, like, you know, that end scene where she's being ridiculed. I mean, shouldn't you have a setup of how the other students have first adored her for being something? And then maybe that ending could work because you could see this turn. I mean, she should have just gone to jail, frankly, but there's so many things there that are weird. And I, I mean, this shouldn't stand the test of time as a movie. Uh, so, I mean, we could talk about two things. I mean, do you think... The story should stand the test of time, which it, apparently it has. Uh, or do you think this movie should be rewatched, you know, by our son 
in no, 15 years. Never. <laughs> it, <laughs> I think the story will continue to be reinterpreted. Oh, sure. But I don't think it worked in this context. Maybe it did in 1999 because at the time, that's. Did good box office. So, I mean, something. People were going to watch it. Yeah, it was something that was shocking, right? And risque and like, oh, you know, kind of porn for teenagers. Yeah. But. I don't think if this re- if this movie is released as it is with new actors, I don't think it will do well. No, I think people will be very upset of many of the plots because yeah. rape is not okay. <laughs> and yeah, and I think they will probably try to make it again. You know, it's interesting because you brought up Gossip Girl. I think I wonder if that's why this movie essentially is becoming more of a serialized television show because then you have the time and you know potentially the breadth to get into. The motivation. So yeah, rape is wrong, but it's worse in this movie because it's just thrown at you in like a one-minute segment with yeah. barely any lead-up. But if you have, you know, thirteen-hour-long episodes to build up to this crucial moment where you really reveal that this guy is, you know, whatever it is. So that plot underneath, using not just the sexual thing and the gamut, but the class class commentary about the rich and the poor. I mean, those are prevailing things. We still write movies and books about that still today. Uh, speaking specifically about this movie, this movie should be stricken from all annals of history. It it doesn't have anything left. Uh, I I think there's a, you know, 80 whatever, you fools on Rotten Tomatoes. That's nostalgia. Th- there's no way that this movie deserves... I, I have to... Agree. Well, I don't know. The internet would have been around in 1999, so maybe that's just holdover from, from 1999. Because I would feel the same way. There must be a lot of people that are like, oh yeah, I like that movie, but have not seen it in like 15 years. Mm-hmm. But you can, one can also argue that if that movie didn't get made, you know, things wouldn't be pushed to, to the way it is. Yeah, I, so I still hold it in, I'll give a little bit of credit still for pushing that into more of a modern audience's face to make it seem a little bit more acceptable. So there is part of it there. It's just, yeah, I think nowadays... I would rather see an updated version of this with, you know, better everything, <laughs> uh, better ideas, uh, still having that LGBTQ representation and, and, you know, commenting a little bit more on our society and how we, uh, you know, women and men and relationships and how we use, you know, sexuality in different ways. We are done here. Uh, the machine is getting angry, so it looks like we are finished talking. Such an angry machine. That's always, always angry. It is come time. And we probably should have figured this out as you came through the guest door, uh, Helen, how we're going to do this. Uh, it's ratings. So mm. I think... Only Kyle and Dave's ratings count. That is my rule. Talking about gender roles, Kyle. I know. <laughs> hey, I don't make the rules. Oh. It you was didn't his, make the machine. The machine's, oh. cr- the machine's cruel intention I am my own is machine. to uh, not have women's voices heard. Dave, what would you rate this film out of five? Uh, zero. Uh, yes. wait. What's the, can we do? Zero. Five is the lowest. Yeah, point five. Okay. Point yeah. <laughs> five. Helen, do you? What would you give this movie? Am I looking at it from 1999, Helen? No. No. Now. Yep. I would probably still give it like a two. Yeah. Again, me and you are are aligned. I would actually give this movie a two as well. Uh, not a good movie, but I don't think it's absolute trash because you are. You're putting this on the same level as uh, Message in a Bottle, Dave. Yes. And I think I would rather watch this a million times more than I would ever want to watch Message in a Bottle ever again. Uh, however, I do not make the rules. If I give it a 2, you give it a 0. 0.5. That's actually the biggest spread that we've had. Yeah, since we're actually fighting about this one. Yeah. That averages to 1.25, but we always round down. So this is going to be a 1. 
This is okay. So this means that we have to figure something out here. It is tied with still crazy. Will you think this movie is better or worse than still crazy? Ooh. Yeah, I'm not that how, crazy how, about how still crazy. How would you put crazy. this into? Yeah, no, that was a um, not yeah? good movie either. No, no. Uh, I I think, to be honest, I would rather be forced to rewatch Still Crazy than to go through this piece of crap again. I want to strike from my brain that Cruel Intentions was viewed by myself. I actually am embarrassed that in history will go down on record that I've actually watched this movie. So, <laughs> is that? I know that's strong which is good. Yeah. So that's how I feel. I, I think I would put still crazy above this, okay. uh, above this. Well, that's what we'll do. We'll leave still crazy above cruel intentions. That means that cruel intentions comes into our list. I believe at number seven, uh, currently. So it's between still crazy and eight millimeter on the bottom. Eight millimeter. What a, what a crazy time we live you know, in. You know, it's an interesting theme. How I think all of these movies so far, we, we think there's a core. There's a reason why they get made. Yeah. And then they're made and you're like, no, there's no reason this movie should have been made. Uh, <laughs> you are all wrong. I'm just yeah, um, bragging on directors now, which is so unfair. Let's, uh, we're getting a printout here. So let us just look at the uh, trivia for this. The scene in which Annette slaps Sebastian, that's Reese Witherspoon slapping Ryan Phillippe. Reese and Ryan were so into their scene that she slapped him unexpectedly. And so Phillippe's reaction is genuine the one time that he's not a wooden plank in this movie he was so into the scene that right after writer and director roger uh, cumble said cut he went behind the set and threw up he was so into this scene i did too <laughs> you <laughs> threw up right after that too but they're a couple in yeah. real life and i think you know maybe that to him was the worst thing possible if they were actually breaking up and we're also assuming he threw up in a negative way, it might have just been an emotional. I think reaction. it was emotional, yeah. But uh, mine wasn't. <laughs> well, it's still emotional. Uh, according to costume designer Denise Wingate, Reese Witherspoon was deliberately clothed in light colors in order to contrast with the dark colors of Ryan Phillippe. As a fashion design major, what are your thoughts about the costuming <laughs> of this film? I don't remember much. I don't remember much either, exactly. but I exactly. think no. Yeah. I don't know. It's so cliche, right? Ooh, mm -hmm. put the virginal girl in white and the bad people yeah. in it's black. It's like the white cowboy hat, black cowboy hat from Westerns Every in the 50s. Western, yeah. Yeah. The, kissing scene between, the kissing scene between Sarah Michelle Gellar and Selma Blair was ranked number 32 on Entertainment Weekly's 50 Sexiest Movies Ever. Is that a thing? <laughs> yeah. That's fucking terrible. That was in 2008, I should say. So that was 12 years ago, but ranked number 32. Talking about like, yeah, gender and sexual appropriation. There's a, yep. there's a ranking for hot, what, what was it again? Sexiest. Uh, this was uh, sexiest, 50, movies? sexiest movies ever. I just, I feel dirty. <laughs> <laughs> a minus Howard the Duck, if anyone was curious anyways toward the end of the film when Catherine, that sarah michelle geller tells ronald sean patrick thomas that sebastian ryan Phillippe, had hit her so remember that little subplot which is he hit me and then he goes off and then this is how he gets hit by a car so the actual scene of sebastian striking her was filmed so apparently in the original you know screenplay he does actually slap his stepsister uh, but it was deleted because the dialogue from sebastian during this part didn't fit with his character and the writers decide to let the audience decide for themselves 
whether it actually did hit Catherine or she made it up. That's bad writing. I'm just going to throw it right out there. Yeah, Anyways. Do you, do you think it mattered? Well, I oh. just always assume that she made it up. I mean, he's a rapist, but I draw the line at slapping women. So. But it was, um, it's surprising to me that they filmed it. Yeah. Does it change anything in the movie? I don't think so. Well, he can't be redeemed if he slapped his sister. Yeah. If I'm he not sure. He, was he redeemed? I don't know. I don't <laughs> okay, know. Sorry, Who yeah, cares? Yeah. So uh, let's finish this episode. Um, Roger Cumble directed. This is how we felt during watching him. Let's just finish this. Is, this, this, is, this is the uh, the wrapping up, the, the bow on what was seated at the very beginning of this episode about this being the last uh, film that, uh, theatrical film that Roger Cumble wrote. Roger Cumble directed the direct-to-video sequel, Cruel Intentions 2. So there was a sequel to this. There's actually also a Cruel Intentions 3, which he has no involvement in. However, there was a Cruel Intentions 4. <laughs> what? Called Cruel Intentions. It was just called Cruel Intentions. It was directed in 2016, it's four years ago, by him, Roger Cumble, written by him. It was a made-for-TV movie. And it starred Sarah Michelle Gellar reprising her role. It's described as 15 years after the death of her brother, villainous Catherine seeks to manipulate her nephew, Bash, and gain control of the family business, Valmont International. Bash? That's what his name is, Bash. B-E-B-A-S-H. I really want to watch this movie and see how awful it is. Oh my God. I can't believe she agreed to do yeah, it. Yeah, like what? Like she does other good stuff. I don't, I don't know. I don't get it. I don't get it. Bash? Bash is the... Is I mean, Reese, Reese Witherspoon in it? She has no, too much No, she, yeah. she's in you know, Big Little Lies and she's The Morning Show. She's actually doing pardon. good work. So. Yeah. Oh, don't touch my buttons. Oh, what, what, what are you doing to the machine over there? No, I just tried to, headphones I tried to free my wife from the chain and didn't go very well. Any last words? Do not watch this <laughs> movie. Sorry. Um, do you have any last words? Skip it. Yeah, skip yeah, it. Skip the a, dishes. It's a skip. Well, let's see what we're watching next week. Uh, Helen, I'll just unlock you here. Uh, I don't know you why you're locked You have a key? Up. Yeah. There's a key? <laughs> I, I had a key the entire time. But you should probably, you know, you can go uh, uh, after we're done recording here. Let's see what we're watching next week, Dave. All right. We are going to be watching the movie Ravenous. Ooh. I don't know. Is that, that must be a horror movie. That's what it sounds like. Yeah, I remember watching this and uh, yeah, it's, I hope you have a good appetite. Oh, yeah. I'll eat just a rare steak before we begin recording. The bloodier, the better. Uh, all right. Well, this this uh, timer keeps ticking down. Thank you so much, by the way, Helen, for for dropping by here. Um, how did you get to this door, by the way? A door appeared in front of me, and I thought, let's walk through it. The fiction continues. Yeah, that's good. Good construction, and it also shows you how brave my wife is. Yeah. Because if a door appeared in front of me, I would just You'd run away myself. Yeah. I'm going to leave you here, though, Dave, I think. Damn it. All See right. ya. Okay. Bye. Uh, I miss you. <laughs> <laughs>